let's say you put out a new iPhone, your Apple, you know this game. You release the phone, and if people don't like it, you can easily send an update to their phone to fix the problem. New updates here, a fix for this. It's like a little yeah. present that you didn't know you were getting. But you can't do that with original content. You can't do that with a TV show. And I'm sure you guys have seen the reviews. They haven't been great. Right. The first three episodes aren't great. So if you're Apple, how do you respond? Well, critics then got the rest of the episodes. Yeah. They sent us an iOS update. Yep. In the form of new episodes. And guess what? It worked. It worked! Yeah, it did. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Lainey Louie, and this is Show Your Work. I write about the celebrity and strategy behind celebrities at laineygossip.com, and I'm an entertainment reporter and talk show host. And I'm Duanna Taha, a television screenwriter and producer. We're two people obsessed with the work behind your favorite shows, movies, and music, and the people who do that work. This week, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell star in Apple TV Plus's flagship show, the highly anticipated The Morning Show. A drama behind the scenes of a morning news show, complete with a Me Too scandal that will definitely make you think of some real-life dramas. This is our business, so the morning show is like our fantasy football. Do you have a TV voice? I'd like to think so, sure. I do TV a lot less often than you do, but yeah, I over-enunciate and think too much about what I'm saying and try not to. Okay, do you want to practice your TV voice? Yeah, like if I'm reading a teleprompter? Yeah. By all means, hit me. (laughs) Okay. Um, welcome to Show Your Work. Today's top story is The Morning Show starring Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Let me just put on my metaphorical blazer here. Okay. Good morning. Welcome to Show Your Work. Today's top story, The Morning Show starring Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. Your face totally fucking changed. Right? Yeah. Like the way you move your mouth totally changed. Well, there's a, a thing that as producers, we used to tell on-air talent, i.e. you, which is that you feel super cheesy saying some of that stuff, but to get your voice to do the thing, especially in a voiceover, but on television as well, yeah, you have to basically be super over the top and extra. Yes. Like loud. Give me your... Okay, now I'm going to give you a headline. Ready? Okay. Um. You're going to say, uh, our top story today, uh, Elaine Louie allows Duana Taha to choose her outfits for one week. Our top story today, Elaine Louie allows Duana Taha to choose her outfits for an entire week. It's so... (laughs) 
It's so funny and so silly. You choose weird words to have the right emphasis just to make the sentence more interesting than the last six times you read it. And you choose when to pause. And when to make a strange thing happen with your voice. Yeah. It's a good exercise, though. I think if you're listening out there, try it. Just try it. You do feel cheesy. Deeply cheesy, but it's also super fun. Yeah. So welcome to our deep dive on The Morning Show, which has dropped on Apple TV+. And we have now seen, I guess it's four episodes. Well, we've seen the whole thing, but we'll talk about the first four episodes. Oh my God, you just dropped that in there. Well, I didn't want to be like dishonest and I wanted to brag a little. Well, (laughs) I'm sure we'll have the time for that. See, that was very TV. I'm sure we'll have the time for that. Um, But part of what we're going to talk about, of course, is the show for the show's sake and what we think Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and the truly, truly stacked supporting cast, including Steve Carell. Yeah. But we're also going to talk about our time in live TV and how the show does and doesn't really stack up where that's concerned. Yeah. Do you like the show? I really found it compelling. I did not want to stop watching the show. Yeah. And I think that that is, listen, the reviews are out and a lot of them aren't very positive. Well, I feel like we have to, not to put the cart before the horse, but the reviews were based on the first three episodes that were released early to critics. And those are the same three episodes that dropped on Apple TV Plus a couple of weeks ago when the service launched. That's right. On their own, those three episodes make those reviews seem accurate to me. Mm-hmm. But as part of the whole, as you say, we were able to watch the whole season, which is super exciting. Yeah. Um, but as a part of a whole, I yeah, I found it super compelling to see where the story was going. And I keep saying, as I have on the site, that sure, the episodes aren't perfect, but at the same time, I couldn't stop. Like, within 10 minutes of me hitting play on episode one, I was already on you, over text, being like, hit this, fic- hit this fucking shit right now. And it continued until the end of episode one, then I started episode two right away. And I'm the kind of person, you know this, Joanna, I like to breathe between my episodes. It's deeply annoying. (laughs) So when I binge, it's because I find it like I have to know, I have to keep going. So I agree with you. I think it's compelling. I think there's some really interesting performances. And I, I almost can say that I found it quite addictive. Yeah, absolutely. Now, my only question about that, and especially as I overtook you in the viewing, Um, is whether, especially in the bumpy early going, whether that was because of our real familiarity with the show's environment, uh, whether that sort of skates over some of the, the structural or character issues early on. So I feel like that should be a meta question that we carry as we go through the show. I, for me... And I think that, sure, I think that there was some pull for us because we work in the business, but I I think also, too, for a wider audience, people who don't work in the business, what do you look for when you're watching TV? 
first of all, you're looking for characters, right? Yes, absolutely. So let's go there first. Yeah. And I think it's a great point because I think most people, first of all, we should point out that if you haven't watched the show yet, it is now very fine to say there was a not insignificant group of people who, first of all, thought the morning show was an Apple literal morning show, that it was supposed to be the kind of show that instead it's about. Yeah. And then there were a lot of people who saw Jennifer Anderson, Steve Carell, Reese Witherspoon, and assumed it was a sitcom, uh, which they could be understood for for mistaking, right? Like those are all primarily comedic actors in terms of acclaim. Yeah. Or in terms of notability, I suppose. Certainly Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell in a television series setting. For sure. Yes. So uh, it's not that. It's a straight up drama. And the characters that they play are uh, Jennifer Aniston plays Alex, who is a longtime host of The Morning Show, or TMS, they call it. And I think 15 years is what we understand. She's been on the show, right? 16. Yeah. Right. And Steve Carell is her broadcast partner, Mitch, at least originally. And when he is unceremoniously excused from the show, which is not much of a spoiler, you learn this in the first five minutes of the show, uh, eventually Reese Witherspoon is offered the spot beside Jennifer Aniston. That's right. Um, and it mirrors, of course, a real the real life situations on Today Show, CBS This Morning, Matt Lauer's dismissal, and his dismissal resulting in two female news anchors hosting the Today Show. Um, CBS This Morning, of course, lost Charlie Rose. Gail King is now, like, the main person on that morning show. So, of course, all of this is rooted in reality, in Me Too. Um, but, yes, this is fictional with lots of reality. Yeah, and everybody who's involved in the show makes a real effort to point out that Steve Carell is not playing Matt Lauer, but there's a lot of inferences made to cause you to think of Matt Lauer. That's the most uh, straightforward way to point that out. Is that fair? It's unmistakable. But he's not doing a Matt Lauer impression. No. That's, I guess, the distinction. That's right. So we've got Mitch, we've got Alex, we've got uh, Bradley. Right. At the beginning of this season, when we teased the fact that the morning show was coming, um, I talked to you about the names. In our Jennifer Aniston episode, which was the first episode of this season, we talked about TMS, and we talked about how her character was Alex, and Reese's character was Bradley. And so let's start with the character naming. Right. Like, these are two names, and you're a screenwriter. You pick your names deliberately. Every time. So where are we going with Alex? Never Alexandra. Never. Ever. It's Alex Levy only. Right. And Bradley Jackson only. There's no nickname for Bradley. They're, they don't call her Brad. Um, so where are we going with this? So I'm really glad that you asked this in this way because Alex Levy, who's one of those characters who's always often called by both names, they often refer to her as Alex Levy, even when they don't have to. Yeah. Um, is exactly Alex Levy. She 
is the kind of character, and you'll notice me talking about Alex almost immediately because Jennifer Aniston disappears into this role, and we'll get more into that later. Alex Levy talks openly about having been the kind of person who has survived a boys club for decades. It's very clear that Alex, that name, is one more piece of armor that lets her be one of the boys, you know? There's a reference somewhere along the line to, hey, Alex, why don't you wear dresses like that? And it's a real choice. Alex doesn't. Alex is wearing suits. Um, One of the other things that happens a lot. Slacks, suits, button-down shirts. Yep. Yeah. It's a real choice that she has made. Like, we assume Alex is in her early 50s. She's extremely successful. And this is just almost part of her DNA at this point. It's her armor, and it is perfectly constructed. Her name, her wardrobe, everything is constructed around the identity that Alex has and that her partner Mitch has. They often refer to themselves as journalists, Mm -hmm. and they never call themselves TV stars or hosts or anything of the kind. You sometimes call yourself talent. Yeah. They never do. And so everything from the name to the wardrobe is constructed around that identity, that self-identity as journalists. Right. Right. And Bradley? I'm just going to break this open. Bradley Jackson, the name, is a bit of a miss Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Agree. And I think it speaks to greater problems with Bradley Jackson, the character. Yep. I think the idea was supposed to be Bradley Jackson. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it was her mama's maiden name. Maybe she was named after a granddaddy, something like that. Yeah. That it was a Southern affectation, but it doesn't work. No. And it just seems awkward. First of all, it's not the greatest name to say. Bradley. Where's Bradley? Like, it's a lot of consonants to get out of your mouth every time. Yeah. And you're right. She's never Brad. No. Um, But I think... This is possibly a lot of the reason that the reviews early on were not good. It's especially noticeable because Jennifer Aniston is so spectacular as Alex Levy. I mean, this is a character, a a really memorable character. And I want to get into this a little bit because she is making her return to television, right? We know her as Rachel Green. That for a lot of people, is already a classic, iconic television character. Iconic and almost generation-defining, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of people wanted to be Rachel Green. Haircut, all that. Attitude, the yeah. everything. So, when you are Jennifer Aniston and you are known as Rachel Green, and you come back to TV, and you come back as Alex Levy, well, number one, it's a lot of pressure But number two, what's happened here is that I'm ready to declare, I think Alex Levy is also going to be another all-timer. If the show gets enough longevity, then I'll be there with you. Right now, we're looking at two seasons right off the top. They were signed for two seasons. And they have started talking about the fact that, like, if there's more story to tell, we'll do more. Like, it sounds to me like they want a two and done. But... My point is, is that I think that in this performance, she has obliterated Rachel Green for me. And I think that this was the performance that she's been building up to 
over the last 20 years. You said that she disappears into Alex Levy. I I don't disagree in the sense that, yeah, we're not watching Jennifer Aniston, so yes, she disappears in that sense. But she also carries into Alex Levy all the ticks and quirks and nuances that Jennifer Aniston, the actor, has been giving us throughout her career. All the hair touching, mm-hmm. the mouth touching, the, oh dear, oh my goodness, I, you know, those, those affectations that are a signature Jennifer Aniston thing across all her movies and whenever she shows up are still in Alex Levy. But it turned out that she was practicing them maybe in all her previous characters to build Alex. They're all, they, all of these ticks belong to Alex. Oh, absolutely. And do you the know one, what I mean? I do. The one that I noticed that is common to Rachel Green and probably to some of Jennifer Aniston's movie roles is the habit of calling pl- men with whom you are platonic honey. Yeah. Um, I think there was a lot of that on Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I 100% picked it up in my own vernacular. Yeah. And she does it here and it doesn't feel put on and nope. it doesn't feel like a thing. It's clearly maybe an ad lib on Aniston's part and she lives in it. I guess what I mean when I say that she disappears in it is there's no sign of trying to recapture a younger like enigma role. She never preens for the camera. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Aniston, the actress, is never making Alex try to find her light or be in the most flattering instance. Does that make sense? I agree. Both physically and in character. She lives in Alex's head and Alex has more important things to worry about. That's right. And I find that there's there's an acting quirk that that Jennifer Aniston brings that is hard to take in other people. But in this character, I totally buy it. And that's the, she talks out loud. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Oh, oh, I, oh my God. You know, it is, it's, it's a kind of thing where in another actor or in another character, you're like, oh my God, stop talking through your acting. Well, and it's completely buyable in this one. Yeah, and part of the reason for that is that Alex Levy, the woman, has disappeared herself into the role of Alex Levy, the nation's most trusted host, right? She has gotten completely wrapped up in who she is as a a factotum, is that the word? For the people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Like she's there to to represent them and to be there for them and to stand up for them and witness for the American people, which is a bit goddamn extra. Yeah. And so she's lost self-consciousness about what she should do to get there. Hence, oh my gosh, what should I do? Which is, yeah, it's deeply annoying in humans. Yeah. But she doesn't have to worry about that because she's too busy worrying about her message. Yeah. Now you see what happened here, right? We started talking about where Bradley Jackson might have been a problematic character, and we started talking again about Jennifer Aniston and Alex Levy. Yeah. So I guess I just want to get us back there with the caveat that if Alex were different or lesser, then Bradley might be less lesser. She might be less of a problem. 
right? Yeah. Alex is fully realized. Mm-hmm. Mitch does not get a lot of airtime in the initial episodes, but Mitch later on is mm-hmm. really fully fleshed out and Mitch is a fully realized character. Hang on for Mitch, man. And it would be easy if he were just a dick, just an asshole. Yep. But he's much more complicated than that, which doesn't surprise me in the sense that Steve Carell is not going to take a role that's just a… One-dimensional asshole. Right. Yeah. There's a thousand layers of nuance, which is what makes him so insidious and makes the whole situation, which unfolds through the season, we learn more and more about Mitch and his M.O., it makes it much more gray and much more compelling as a result. That's right. So Alex is compelling. Mitch is compelling. Bradley slash Reese mm. is a problem. Yeah. Now, make no mistake, Reese Witherspoon is an incredibly smart actress and producer. Yeah. She's giving a hell of a performance. She's giving it all she has. But the Bradley character is deeply confused. Yes. And what you and I said early on is she's miscast. Yes. There, when, okay, when this show got started, when the trailer dropped, I thought it was going to be a straight up all about Eve. Yeah. Did you think so? Yes. I, I, I think that that was going to be the hook. Right. I expected us to turn. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect us to turn like this, like that this was going to be the thing. And the this in this case is basically that rather than there is some lip service paid to, oh, Bradley's going to take Alex's job. Um, But nobody believes that even off the top. Like it doesn't seem like it's a real possibility. And in an effort to be, you know, unusual to subvert some tropes, Bradley is not just power hungry and ambitious. No. But she's not anything as a result. No, and I, it goes back to a lesson that um, you taught me when we were watching, of all things, Gossip Girl together. Go on. <laughs> and the reason why Serena wasn't interesting to us, or anyone, I don't think, and Blair was the more interesting person or character, is because, as you said, Serena doesn't want anything. Yes. And Blair wants all the things, but Blair is very, very... Very direct about the fact that she has goals. Right. And I'm not sure, and we know what Alex wants. Yep. We know what Mitch wants. Yes. What does Bradley want? I don't know. She wants to not want things or something. Early on and throughout the season, there's a lot of lip service paid to the idea that Bradley gets things that she wants and then blows them up. She sabotages. Like she's not comfortable achieving, Mm -hmm. let's say. Yeah. Uh, And early on, Billy Crudup playing uh, head of news, Corey Ellison, your favorite character, arguably. I I fucking love him. And none of us expected that, but we'll get there. Early on, he says to her, possibly one of my favorite lines, why aren't you further ahead in your career? And she says, well, I screwed things up. I this, I that. It's not super clear why. There's a hint, there's an inference that uh, if you revert to the mean, like if you go back to what's familiar and you blow up 
any opportunities that you have, then you don't have to fail at them, but it's real murky. It's really murky. Like you're looking at me with a face like I'm faking it. I, but I, that, that is how I look at that character. It's really murky because on the surface, you think that here's a character, she's seeking the truth, right? When we meet her, she's that journalist who is out there in the field. Trenches. She's, she's right. She's getting right in there. She is doing the dirty work. She wants the answer. She is here to get the real story. But that isn't, like, that isn't a character want. That's what we all want, right? It's not individualized to her. Well, what we say a lot lately on this show is to what end? Okay, you want to do the good job and you want to get the big job, but to what end? Right. If you don't want to be flown to New York, if you don't want the big opportunity, because she spends a lot of time going like, I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. Yeah. Then what do you want, child? Yeah. And, you know, to get back to the miscasting, they talk a bit about how Bradley is 40 and thus, you know, they can have those things about why aren't you further along in your career or whatnot. But it doesn't ring super true. I mean, she's 40 if they say she's 40. Reese Witherspoon is 40 some odd, 43 or five or something. So that's fair. But she doesn't carry herself like a woman who's 40. She doesn't carry herself like a woman who has 15 years in the business. Yeah. And and I think that the disconnect here is that you can't just throw a leather jacket on her and show me that she's a renegade. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. There's all of that. There's all of that confusion that's only made more, I guess, like it's really, it's almost like in a painting, it would be like a glaring eyesore because the other performances make so much sense. Like all the other supporting characters, we talked about the supporting cast, we talked about Billy Crudup, but the supporting cast is so strong. Mark Duplass is the executive producer of TMS. Yeah. His character is like real and very tangible. And so she really is the eyesore. She sticks out Bradley Jackson because everything else, every other character and performance is actually quite good. Because they have a purpose. Yeah. You know, um, brilliant Kathleen, our Kathleen, said that she felt that if Bradley had been played by a woman of color, then her abrasiveness or, uh, you know, the defensiveness by which she maintains she's just searching for the truth. Or perceived abrasiveness. Well, right? yeah, or yeah. even um, or even self-acquired armor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, could be seen as a problem, as a stumbling block. Because it comes from a, a real place. Yeah, and I don't want to imply that the morning show doesn't deal with race and with uh, the the ethnicity or diversity of who they put on screen because they address that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, So it's not for lack of consideration that that's the case. Right. If Bradley had been younger, then you could see where there would be a different relationship with Alex, who is sort of half coach and half, you know, weird upper coattail rider. Yeah. But it just doesn't, it doesn't work terribly well. No. And I feel as though you can feel Reese know that. Yeah. 
That said, um, one of the things that's not totally ideal is that uh, we we have gotten to see the whole season. And as a whole, I think all of these things work and coalesce more easily, particularly that supporting cast that you're talking about really settles in and you get to see them. There's somebody who we see a lot early on, but who continues, uh, Chip's assistant. Do you even know her name? No. Chip's assistant is the most authentic person in the whole show. Oh, yeah. Uh, She's probably in her late 20s, and she is one part harried work wife and the other part super extremely capable assistant, and she just kills it. Yeah. And before we move on from the cast, I have to point out that the head of the network, Fred, do we have a last name on Fred? Top of your head. No. Uh, if you think Fred looks a little familiar, do you think Fred looks a little familiar? Yes. Yeah. That's uh, Tom Irwin. And he, of course, is the dad from My So-Called Life. Oh, shit. That's right. That's where you know him from. And I was so delighted to see him get this role because he's like one of those guys. He's a good actor who can act. Yeah. Um, so on its face, you said, did I enjoy it? Um, yes, I, it's a slow burn, right? Mm -hmm. And I think what we're going to get into is why they chose that, what happened in the construction of the show and in the construction of the television of it all. Yeah. Um, that gets us there, but yeah, it's not an immediate rave. It's not spectacular, but it is damn compelling. Well, I would say that I wouldn't call it for me a slow burn. Mm -hmm. I would call it for me quite like... I needed to mainline it. Right, but it doesn't mean that it was without flaw when you were mainlining. It wasn't that I wasn't like shouting and being like, what? But it was definitely an addiction, an obsession. Right. Uh, To the point where um, I wanted to talk about it with everybody. You wanted to talk about it. We were a little bit obsessed. We're like, and there are many reasons for that, but you can't take away from the fact that they've made something, yeah, that you can be obsessed about. This show's going to go far. Like, if we're talking about hardware, for sure, nominations across the board, Golden Globes, I can see it. I can see SAGs. Um, so that's why we're doing this deep dive. It's going to factor. Like, Jennifer Aniston, I cannot imagine that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association isn't going to be like, here, take it. Oh, no, that's a given. A given. A given. Um, um, Steve Carell's doing, like, I mean, I would be worried in, 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 in other, cat- like, in that category, um, other actors, too, because Steve Carell is coming for that shit. Well, and we'll touch on this when the whole season has dropped, uh, but Steve Carell deserves any and all things that he is eligible for. Oh, God. It's It's a really incredible performance, which is saying something. Because look, you know this podcast. If you're here on this deep dive, you know us. You know we don't want to be sitting here praising the Me Too of it all. You don't yeah. want to be sitting here patting the back of the person who should be removed from the narrative altogether. Yeah. But this makes it worth it for sure. For the story that they're telling. And when we talk about this some more, once all the episodes have dropped, we can, you know, weave in the storylines and where they work and where they don't work. But based on performance with Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell and Mark Duplass and Billy Crudup and the supporting cast, I mean, this is they've done something, they've done something good. Absolutely. 
And so I want to talk a little bit about how it came to be. Yeah. Um, because it's a rocky road that seems to continue to be rocky. So you've heard that this show was in development forever, that they retooled it after Me Too, after Matt Lauer, et cetera. Um, but the behind the scenes of it all is, of course, it's based on the book Top of the Morning, yeah. uh, which we've talked about. That's Brian Stelter's book. And he gets a consultant credit on the show. But it was originally uh, created by writer and showrunner uh, Jay Carson. So Jay Carson uh, was a supervising producer and political consultant on House of Cards. That was his first ever film and TV credit. Okay. Because before that, he worked for Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Chuck Schumer, Mike Bloomberg, uh, other politicians. I don't know. He is a like a politico by by design. Yep. He was the press secretary for Hillary Clinton. He was chief deputy mayor of LA, which does that mean there are other deputy mayors? Anyway. Uh, yes. So he was hired as the writer and the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Whether Apple had the property and assigned it to him, yeah. I, I'm unclear, but that's right. the case. So not too long afterwards. Uh-huh. He was excused. Yeah. He was fired. But his name still appears on every episode. Well, so um, you'll notice that the credits say created Created by… Jay Carson. Jay Carson, but developed by Carrie Aaron. Carrie Aaron is an extremely successful and uh, experienced producer and showrunner who was most recently Bates Motel, but before that Parenthood and Friday Night Lights and so forth. And so… They actually sent the script to arbitration. So this is a dirty word, Mm -hmm. arbitration. That means that the scripts are sent to the Writers Guild of America, in this case, to the union, for them to read the various drafts and determine who, if anybody, owns how much of the scripts. Right. So that means that however much was left over… Like, whatever we are seeing on the screen contained enough Jay Carson material that they said, no, he retains the created by credit. That's where that's coming from. Right. And then on top of that, you know, there's there's whatever they kept or didn't, and Lord knows, like, he gets paid either way, Mm -hmm. so they can keep or not keep whatever they want. There's also the fact that uh, there was a lot of stories going around this spring about Apple and the notes process. Yep. Right? Like, network notes are almost a joke that's a bit of a thing of the past. The the networks, ABC and NBC and so forth, used to really have executives who would push back on, you can't have this, you can't have that. We've talked about different people, Shonda Rhimes or Kenya Barris or so forth, like bumping up against the network. Yeah. And part of the reason that Netflix was a revolution… Very few notes. None. They they get out of the way. HBO, very few notes, right? Except when necessary. Yeah. So Apple is the outlier in that that was sort of the accepted behavior for streamers. Yeah. Apple was not very few notes. They were in there very, very deeply. They had a lot of opinions. Swearing was apparently a thing. Yeah. um, And this show is… There are fucks flying all over the place. Which is accurate, I think, for the environment, and we'll get there in a second. But it's just worth noting that uh, I don't know that this is a show that was 
all conceived and made it to screen in one person's vision. Yeah. There were a lot of bumps and washovers and uh, versions and things. I suspect there's a lot that we never saw and we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in particular, I have to shout out, I was watching with Mike and watching an episode late in the game. It was episode eight. Yeah. And I said, this should have been the pilot. And Mike is not in our business. Yeah. He's uh, sort of adjacent, but not in it. But what he is, is a devoted Apple person. Right. Right? He knows that company inside and out. Yeah. And he said, there's no way. This is way too dark. They can't have this be the first thing that people buy the service and click on. Yeah. Which I thought was insightful. Wrong from a TV, you know, pilot perspective, but from an Apple venture perspective. Right. Sure thing. But to go back to writing, creating, and all of the credits that run, like before every episode, I, because this is Apple's first, like it's the maiden voyage, I paid really close attention. I did appreciate that for every episode that was directed by a man, it was always written by a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And if it was written by a man, it was directed by Mimi Leader or Michelle McLaren or a various female directors. Like they they were able in this time of of the, all of them saying that there should be equality, parity, and they, yeah. parity and that they wanted to expand um you know, it times up and they want to expand opportunities for everybody and have the fairness and all that. They're trying. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, yeah, they hit the mark and you should hit the mark. Uh, Mimi Letter is also an executive producer on the show as well as one of the directors. So she's has a real hand in oh, yeah. forming the show as it exists. So let's talk about the show as it exists because this is not just a drama about a workplace, of course. It's a drama about our workplace. That's right. Um, they And so they had to build the world. So in, in addition to character creation, yep. it's world creation, it's world building. Yeah, and that would be the case if it were, you know, I've never walked around a law firm, but I know what they look like from shows, yeah. right? Or a hospital, like Knockwood, that I'm not there long enough to know what it looks like, but yeah. they teach us how it looks. Trust that they have taught you accurately. Trust. How a television studio and the the ways that it work. Yeah all work. Like that, that's how it looks. That's how it feels. Yes. That's how it looks. That's how it feels. That's how they speak. I mean, we talked just a couple minutes ago about like the fucks that are flying around all over the place and how people swear very liberally. And we're talking even Jennifer Aniston's Alex. I mean, she is fuck, 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 fucking fuck, fuck everywhere. All over the place. All over the place. But all of that goes away when the cameras roll. Of course. There are some big dramatic things that happen, as they should. Like, if you don't guess that there's going to be some crazy stuff that happens on live TV, then let me know how kindergarten goes, you know? Yeah. But it's there's the unflappableness that's built into being on live TV that's every right. day all the time. Yeah, you can be having, like, a raging argument with somebody with five, four, three, two, and then you switch to another thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's a running sequence that happens uh, with Alex's character a couple of times over the course of the series. She gets emotional and either she says or somebody says to her, you can't cry right now. And she goes, you're right, you're right, 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 right. And it's not about like, oh, you can't cry, be strong. It's very much about you can't cry because you'll ruin your makeup and you need to appear. That's right. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's more important. The 45 minutes that it took to do the face cannot be undone. Yeah. You need to be live on television, live in front of people in a few moments. So like everything is in service of the control to TV. So that was super realistic. It's super realistic. Even, um, you know, the hovering of the hair and makeup. Oh, yeah. Right? Hair and makeup people hover. Yeah. The studio director is always kind of nearby, but always kind of irritated. That's right. There's always a million people hanging around. You don't know what they're for exactly. Like, they all know what they're for, but you don't know. Uh, the host saying out of nowhere, oh, I, I, I've written my own copy. And the yeah. writer going, excuse me? Yeah. It, the, all of that is accurate. And the host basically coming in last minute. Oh, yes, for like, sure. The studio has been turned on. Everybody's busy. And the host coming in last minute is also a thing. Yes. Not because they're so fancy and important in a lot of times because it's easier to get it done without the host being around. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all of that is accurate. Another thing I really liked, and at first I didn't, and then I really got to love it, um, was that the backstage area is pretty grotty. Yeah. For what looks like, you know, it's the biggest network show on television, right? Yeah. But if it's the biggest network show on television, it means the money is going either into the pockets of Alex and Mitch mm -hmm. or it's going on screen. That's right. Right? There's no money. Like the, the backstage area looks like it hasn't been mopped in a month and a half. That's true. Always true. And the, like, you know, Alex and Mitch have fancy dressing rooms, mm -hmm. but the doors are kind of shitty. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, of course, there's always better things to do than fix the doors, for example. And the dressing rooms are dark. Yes. Like, and that is true, especially of morning. What do you need bright lights for back there? You're going to have bright no. lights out on. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the team meetings. Like, um, Mark Duplass's character, the way that he uh, has his team meetings, runs his meetings, all of that, super legit. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, yes, no, it, absolutely accurate. And I also love that we learn early and often that he's come up with Alex and it's implied closely with Mitch. Like he's their contemporary. Yeah. His office is like a 32nd of their size. Yeah. Like his, he looks like he has basically a college dorm for but his office. it's also wide open. Like no one has to knock. No, no, no. He's a... Yeah, it's a fishbowl and it's a thoroughfare. Yeah. Whereas they have these fortresses. And the gossip is accurate. So, you know, somebody schedules a meeting with someone within two hours or even less, people know who is having a meeting with who. And as you often point out, that's probably every workplace, right? That yeah. The gossip flows up and down and around. That's right. But 
it's a it's a known thing. They do a really good job of building the world, not just of this show, yeah. but of other competing shows, of other producers who are on other mm-hmm. shows or who are known to the people who might be coming in. Yeah. They do that small world thing very well. Well, one detail I really like is the shot from the control room when the control room is, um, you know, I think we know by now the control room has all kinds of monitors. Most of the monitors are tuned into the show that they're actually producing, but there's one screen that's always on the competitor. And that's because if they go with something that's a big, huge deal and you don't have it. Yeah. Problem. Well, and… and. They, I also thought, you tell me what you think, specific to live TV is the fact that your producers and uh, director can speak directly into your ear. Mm-hmm. I have seen this overdone on TV where people are touching their ear all, excuse me, what's yeah. that? I'm getting a news report that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's really a lot. Um, whereas in real life, it's yeah. barely a flick of yeah. an eye towards the, towards the IFB, the, uh, we researched this the other week. Internal foldback earpiece? Something. Right. In real life, actually, and I can tell you this, you shouldn't know when someone's talking to me in my ear if I'm live. Well, I know, but people don't know. Yeah. Yes. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Because in many cases, for me at least, they're talking to me while I'm talking. Like that is a skill that I have had to develop and all news anchors on television can do. They can take direction or take instruction while they're actually delivering a story. That's right. They don't have to pause. They, it doesn't shake them. They keep going. And the confident nods that you sometimes see on those reporters are actually nods of acknowledgement yeah. uh, through the camera to the control room Yeah, because they will know that they finished saying something and that you're acknowledging it. There is one thing that bugged me. I was hoping that you would mention Because, and you know, I kept texting you about this. So we've talked about this a little bit, I think, on previous episodes, but your earpiece for people like Alex and Mitch and Bradley, who are on TV multiple times a day, they will have their own molded earpiece. Shaped to their ear. Meaning that you go to a place, you, someone fucking sticks some fucking mold in your ear it's unique to you because my ear is not your ear. Yep. And it's for comfort. Because sure. the generic earpieces are very uncomfortable. It sh- it's like, it, it's for guests. It's like getting a retainer, basically. That's right. So all of them have generic earpieces. Now- they don't have a fucking mold, which is, to me, it's, that's crazy. I was surprised that you could identify that. I wasn't wearing my glasses at mm-hmm. certain points, but- I was surprised that you could see that little earpiece was not yeah. uh, individually shaped. Yeah. I, you know, what I'm going to try and do if I remember tomorrow is I'm going to take a picture of my IFB so you can see. It doesn't look like a pill. You know, usually a generic IFB looks like a large, uh, like, Tylenol pill. Well, for extra… A capsule. For extra credit, you should take a picture of… A couple of them together so that we can compare and contrast. Right. And like a molded IFB looks kind of like a kidney or, I mean, it it, it doesn't look like a capsule. But I, yeah, okay. I thought I could have sworn I saw a kidney one in that fleshy tone, but we'll, we'll, I will defer to the IFB expert. And it typically is not fleshy tone. It's like, it's more clear. 
At right. least the ones we use. Anyway, so that was just like, like a small little detail, whatever. Um, but speaking of earpieces and like talking on set, what's also really realistic and what they did well is talking and talking shit on a hot mic when you know intellectually it's ingrained, like it is, it is shouted into you when you are talent and you're on camera that your mic is hot all the time. You shouldn't be fucking talking personal shit. Hot meaning live. Hot meaning live. And these people are walking around the studio talking shit at each other, yelling at each other, gossiping on hot mics constantly. And that's legit. I was going to say, <laughs> I've worked with some pros. You've worked with some pros. We should know better and we don't. There's, you know, there's one thing that is known in, in our side of the business and scripted. Uh, people will say, I got to go 10-1. Yeah. Which means I got to pee. Yeah. Um, nobody ever says I have to go 10-2. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. But if uh, everybody has, your, uh, you know, a headset, yeah. uh, all the producers, uh, uh, I always have a headset on. All the camera people. Yeah. I don't have a microphone. Only yeah. the actors have microphones. Yeah. But if they forget to turn off their mic pack before yeah. they go pee. You can hear the stream. We all hear what they're up to. That's right. And if they said they're going 10-1 but they're doing something else. Yeah. We all hear that. That's right. Also. And in a broadcast studio, your mic goes into everybody's headphones and it goes into control room, but it also goes up to all the monitors around the building because the executives typically have their monitors turned on so they can see what's going on on their sets. That's right. And they are paying varying amounts of attention at any given time. Right. But you don't want to be talking shit on a yeah. hot mic or doing shit yeah. on a hot mic when they could be listening. Speaking of hot mics, we are broadcasting, what is that, a garbage truck uh, yeah, retrofit? So sorry, our mic is picking that up. But... Anyway, so if you're listening out there, yes, we should know better. Pros should know better not to be fucking talking shit, complaining about your spouses, whatever, on a hot mic. It just, what happens is that you feel so at home yeah, that you lose that consciousness. Well, I value that, of course, because that makes the show real. Not They're not perfect people. Mm -mm. They are real people who yeah. this is what they do. And they, they spend the most time over 16 years with the same people in a really intimate time of day. Like the morning show is so particular. Like this is so compelling and the book was so compelling and the drama in real life is so compelling. Because it's a certain time of day. They get there at four o'clock in the morning. The world is still asleep. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of in this cave all together. It's quiet. It's dark. You feel like you're in a cocoon. It's almost like the outside world doesn't exist. So you're a lot more free. And even at other times of day, it does feel like that in a studio setting. And I'm building to something. Because last week, we assigned you some homework or we talked about the Aim a Robot story. Right. She was on a hot mic. It wasn't broadcasting live, but her mic was on. She was being recorded and she was heard basically criticizing ABC for not running her Jeffrey Epstein story from 2015. 
There are some people who have been commenting on this situation, seizing on the drama to criticize news media. I'm going to read this tweet. I'm not going to say who it's from. Just I'll just read it. Just know that it's legit. Yeah. This person works in television. So I'm kind of calling bullshit that you would say this. But this person says, quote, I was caught in a private moment of frustration. That was Amy Robach's statement. Yeah. When she released one along with ABC explaining This person what happened. is quoting Amy. That's right. I was caught in a private moment of frustration. End quote. Give me a break. If you've got a camera in front of you in a studio with a mic on, you're not in private. What a bunch of baloney. Own it, Amy Robach. Shame on ABC News. Listen, uh, this is rich. If you actually work in TV and the hot mic is on, you know this happens all the time. Well, now I have a thick conspiracy theory brewing because what you just pointed out is actually what happens on the show, right? Uh, Alex Levy is highly suspect that Bradley Jackson doesn't know that her mic is on in the video that goes viral, right? Yeah. She says there's no way she doesn't know she's being filmed. Other people say, yes, she does, or no, she doesn't. She's totally... In her moment, she's in a moment of passion. What was it that Amy said? In a private moment of frustration. Yeah. That's the moment that we see Bradley in. Allegedly, it's public, but nonetheless. Um, So I love that this is life imitating art because that was the skepticism on the show. And I hope that the morning show and Apple Plus send Amy Robach a nice like fruit basket. Thanks for it. And yeah, thanks for I've backing us up. I've done it on a hot mic. And frankly, other examples have come out of other news anchors, like having temper tantrums, yelling at people, cameras but, all on them. Who's the guy? Um, Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe, but a, a, like he was on Fox. Bill? Oh, fucking Bill O'Reilly. It was horrible. Yeah. Bill O'Reilly, but when he was um, on Inside Edition or whatever... Bill O'Reilly was, it came out a couple of years ago. He was at the desk. It was inside edition. Yeah. He like had a screaming, he was like screaming, hot mic, cameras are on. But it happens. Yeah, but we've all done that. We've all talked shit about your desk neighbor not noticing that they were coming around the corner. Yeah. Do you know better than to do that? Of course you do. Do yeah. you do it anyway sometimes? Yes. Yes, you do. That is a real redeeming feature of the morning show professionals at the top of their game nonetheless screw up all the fucking time. All the time. There's a uh, there's a character called Yanko who I have a lot of affection for. I really like Yanko. Nestor Carbonell. And he uh, somehow says the wrong thing at the wrong time all the goddamn time. Always. So that's the show. We are obviously being a little circumspect about certain episodes that are still to air um, because we're back to a week-to-week model, right? Like it's yeah. not a it's not a full season dump. And you remember in episode one of our season, we talked about Jennifer Aniston talking about missing the week-to-week drop. Right. Right? And, and so Apple has kind of done a halfway measure where they start you with three. Yeah. Uh, to get you in, yeah, and then they're going to drop week to week. And I wonder what that will be like. On the one hand, I deeply resent it in a show that I want to watch. Right. On the other hand, I tolerate it in podcasts because yeah. I have no choice. Yeah. Right? I And I pounce on a new podcast when it comes out. You know when your new one updates? Yeah. You're like, oh, hi. Yeah. I 
you were back to that like week to week situation. Mm-hmm. And um, this is again, this is m- like Apple TV Plus's maiden. It's their first big push. And what's interesting to me is that this they're new to this. Yeah, I mean. The Morning Show is one of half a dozen shows that they launched, originals, a few more than that. But this is a flagship. This is the one that everybody's known, has been talking about, yeah. has been synonymous with Apple TV Plus from the beginning. It's cost the most money. It has the biggest stars. So the strategy and the rollout has been a story in and of itself, at least to us, the work behind it. Sure. And we've seen the stars do the work that they do. It's not new for them. It's not new for Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon to go out and promote a show to do publicity. And for the most part, they've hit it out of the park in the sense of Jennifer Aniston started up her Instagram. She broke Instagram like within hours of launching. That's great. That's great publicity. She's doing talk shows She and Reese Witherspoon are coming out as co-executive producers, women together, working together. It's been, that part is easy. On Apple's part though, this is a brand new muscle, a brand new lane for them. They've never done anything even related to content. Never. They release hardware. And I should say, uh, and their hotly anticipated like hardware shows, right? That's right. So what's fascinating to me is, let's say you put out a new iPhone, your Apple, you know this game, right? You've been doing it, I don't know how many versions of the phone and the pods and whatever are out there. So you know how to do this. And typically, if that's the map you're following, you release the phone. And if people don't like it, meaning bad reviews, you can easily send an update to their phone to fix the problem. Hey, we heard you. We get it. And here are some fixes. And you're right. Whenever they have an update, um, it's like, hey, guess what we have this time? New updates here. A fix for this. It's like a little yeah. present that you didn't know you were getting. And by now, because it's Apple, they know exactly what the game plan is. <laughs> oh, something is wrong with the app in the whatever. Great. Send the fix out. Everybody gets the update, downloads the update. It's fixed. But you can't do that with original content. You can't do that with a TV show. You can fix and fix and fix up until the day it goes out. And, you know, in the in the screeners that were clearly not finished, uh, like that are sent out for review but not for broadcast, there's some things that still needed to be fixed. Which is normal. HBO does the Deeply same normal. thing. Deeply normal. Absolutely. So normal. But you can't change the story. You can't send an update to everybody's iPad where they want every or your phone where they want to be and change Bradley's character and change the dialogue in a scene. You can't do that. But if you're Apple, you're used to be able to do you're used to being able to do that. So I find this fascinating that the morning show drops three episodes, and I'm sure you guys have seen the reviews. They haven't been great. Right. As as discussed, the first three episodes aren't great. So if you're Apple and this is new work. I see where you're going. I like this. Go on. How do you respond? Well, you say, what else can we push, right? What else can we do? And so to your point, uh, critics then got the rest of the episodes to 
consider, uh, not to release, but it was a bit of an update, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice move what you've done here. I see your, I see your construction of your point. I like what you're doing. They sent us an iOS update. Yep. In the form of new episodes. And guess what? It worked. It worked. Yeah, it did. It's like, and I think that this is, I mean, you and I get, our tits get hard, our nipples get hard over this kind of like, and I think that that was, it's really interesting. I just find that that format using something that applies to a different business stream to a new business stream is, is a really interesting flex. And it's also, I can see where somebody told them somewhere along the line, yeah, I usually send critics the first few episodes, but that is almost itself a holdover from when shows were a lot more episodic, mm-hmm. right? When it's much less serialized, or right. uh, at least if it's serialized, where you're getting a good chunk of show a good chunk of story of the 10 episodes that you're going to watch in each episode, right? Right. I think when I say that it's a slow burn or slow to start, there's a lot of like setting the table in the first episodes that we see. And I still think that they could have started the story later, moved everything earlier into what was the pilot. Mm -hmm. But I bet it was like that at one point and got tinkered and tinkered. Yeah. But yeah, it used to be that releasing three episodes was an accurate depiction of what was to come. Yep. But Handmaid's Tale did the same thing. Right. But in a super, super serialized Mm -hmm. world, it doesn't work in quite the same way as it would if you release, say, I don't know, three episodes of Grownish. Yeah. Right? But you know what? This is essentially the launch of a new network. Absolutely it is. And this is new territory for Apple. And so… I think one of the interesting comparisons here would be the initial launch of Oprah's network. Oh, yeah. That was fucking bumpy. Yeah. That's a great parallel. Yeah. And she has acknowledged that uh, we weren't ready. We, you know, we didn't do our market research. We have since, they have since figured it out. Mm -hmm. But the launch of Oprah's network, given that it was Oprah and it's not like she doesn't know TV… But she didn't know TV network. She knew a show, her show, but she didn't know how to launch a network with lots and lots of shows. And to be fair, even as we talk about how many bajillions of shows there are, there's only a handful of networks, right? There's uh, the broadcast networks. There's HBO, which has always been patently not a network. Right. And then there are the streaming sites. Yeah. Netflix has no you know, homepage. They have no news. They have no morning show of their own. Yeah. Nor does a Hulu, an Amazon. They're just shopping centers for you to pick whatever show you want. Right. Um, so there are few examples and fewer still that have launched in relatively recent history. Well, the reason why Apple and Oprah are a close comparison is because Netflix launched on the foundation of its library. Yes. So even if its first foray into original scripted or original reality failed, your fallback can still be the library. All the catalog of all the things that you've bought. That's right. Yes. Apple's launching essentially an entire new catalog. Of course, you can still like download an app, like a movie, like a whatever. You can go and get 
uh, I don't know, an, an Avengers movie on Apple, but you pay for it, right? You pay to rent it or you pay to buy it. Yeah, but they haven't bought the rights That's right. to somebody Stream else's it. library. That's not streaming. That's it's, right. It's like… It's, it's a cost per use. It's, it's a, a rental. fee. Yeah. Yes. So this is, to me, I think what we're watching here is, and why this is Show You're Working, what we're doing on Show Your Work is not only are we watching the morning show, but we're watching the morning show lead the advance of Apple in, in this new world. And even Apple isn't going to get it right out of the gate. I'm interested in what will happen uh, or what is happening there's been a huge press push, obviously, right? Uh, there's It's very famous that uh, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston are getting $2 million an episode. Mm-hmm. When we talk about something like that, that wraps in their executive producer fees, their, right. their acting fees, and of course, all their press. Whatever. I'm not mad at any of this. No, no, no. And in fact, when you add up the money that they're paid, it actually doesn't make the budget for the show that crazy. Yeah. But my question is, they've been obviously out front for lots of reasons in a huge press push. They're saying yes, basically to everything, but I've yet to see them reply to the bad reviews. I've yet to see them respond to what the critics said. So, you know, in the age of authenticity and the show itself is all about these women owning their authenticity and their mistakes. How do you think they're going to do with that? Because as you say, when a film comes out, if it's a bomb, you sort of push past it. Yeah. Or you sweep it under the rug or you talk about something else. Uh, And if it's a hit, you ride it all the way. But this is something that is unfolding and evolving and people's opinions are going to change. And as you point out specifically with Aniston, TV culture and reviews and all the rest are vastly different from the last time she was on television week to week. I don't know that any of that needs to be worn. Like I talked about a few minutes ago or a little while ago, I talked about the fact that this show is going to head straight to the Globes. Yeah. Oh, I don't disagree with that. Um, But I do think that what they will… So I don't think in the immediate, the the bold-faced names are going to have to answer to that right away, I think when it comes is going to be ahead of season two. I think you're right about that. I think there will be that question, but I don't even think like they'll have to answer for it. I think this is one of those things where it's, what's a, what's a corporate phrase? Like see a problem as an opportunity. Right. I think this is saying to them, Hey, you can own this if you get out there and I will believe that they are true executive producers true owners of this show the way that they are saying that they are and that I believe that they are, but I'll know that it's in their bones when they address, yeah, there was a bumpy start, the way that you pointed out that Oprah did with her network. Yeah. And you're right. They don't own the network, but the show is uh, sort of symbolic with it. On a last note, I would pay a lot of money to find out what colors the scripts got to. Have I talked to you about the color wheel? Yeah, but you should remind people out there. So when a script is published, meaning we are shooting this script one way or another, changes still happen, Mm -hmm. whether you're getting calls from Apple or whatever. There are revisions. There are, what did you call it? iOS updates. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but you don't throw out the script and get a new one because people are prepping, are working on the script that you gave them. And literally because they might have a note on page 57, you can't issue a new page 57. So what you do is you issue colored pages where the changes are. They're colored and they're starred. And so first revisions are pink and then they're blue and then they're green and so forth. Different places have different color wheels. But there's also like a short color wheel, which is loosely pink, blue, green, yellow, and maybe goldenrod. And then you start the cycle again. Then it goes back to double white, double pink. But there are other places where they have like a full 12 color, like color wheel, where you get to like buff and opal and like violet. And, you know, somebody, when people are like swapping war stories, somebody will be like, oh, we were on triple goldenrod on one show I was on, blah, blah, blah. And the scripts literally do look like a rainbow. Like you can't see where the original once was. I would pay a lot of money to know what color the shooting script of the pilot ultimately was on its cover. If you are an insider. Oh my gosh. If you were on the show, (laughs) you don't have to send anything else. Create an anonymous account and just email me with something that says like quadruple green and I will know. I will understand. So keep watching the morning show because we're going to keep talking about it. Um, But before we go, we want to get to one of your uh, letters. We always appreciate getting them. And this is a great question. Uh, And it says, I've been reading the site every single day. I only recently discovered podcasts and started listening. For show your work homework, what I wanted to know is related to pilots. You posted an article recently when writing about the morning show about how the pilot wasn't perfect, but pilots rarely are. I want to know what pilots have stood out to you and Duanna, and if there's ever been, in your opinion, a perfect pilot. For me, off the top of my head, Sex in the City and Lost stick out for me, but I want to hear what you guys think. That's from Nashina, hmm. which is a great name. Okay, Nashina, that's a great question. Um, I answered this on the site, but I'm going to repeat it just because I just went back to revisit it. I think Fleabag's pilot, season one, episode one, was practically perfect. Interesting. Okay. I don't disagree, but a lot of people found the show in season two, episode one, liked that as a perfect sort of entree and then went backwards. Yeah. I, if you go back and watch one, one, it's like everything, every expression, every laugh, Terrific. And okay. Olivia Coleman. And, uh, well, yeah, that <laughs> almost goes without yeah. saying. Um, now, Sheena, I'm really interested in you saying the Sex in the City pilot, because if you go back and watch the Sex in the City pilot, it bears no resemblance mm-hmm. to the show that you now remember. Yeah. It was a documentary, so to speak. Yeah. Everybody had, like, captions and titles. Sarah Jessica Parker had brown hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just interesting how different things can be. Yeah. I think Lost is accepted as one of the great pilots out there. Yeah. For me, the gold standard always is Veronica Mars. There's never been a pilot that has done so much to launch a season yeah. in such a really, really short period of time. That said, it is one of those pilots where different regions have had different versions released, 
Um, I think uh, there was like a, an, a slightly more uncut version than what you might have seen on UPN 15 years ago uh, is different than what was, say, released on where you can buy it on iTunes now or similar. So Veronica Mars is really right up there for me. Uh, and Catastrophe is another one that I love in the half-hour space. Probably, I would say, the Americans as well, but I'm biased where the Americans is concerned because I think it was pretty perfect all the way through. Have to agree with the Americans. My taste in TV is a little bit, maybe a lot cheesier than yours. So I'm going to go back to one of my classics, um, the pilot for the West Wing. Another great one. Yeah. Oh, like I sometimes will queue up the scene where the president hobbles into the meeting room with the Bible thumpers and just yells at them. Right. I fucking love that scene. Yep. It's over the top. It's so fucking Sorkin. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Fucking Sorkin. I can't believe we've been talking about the morning show all episode and it took this long to, to come up with up Sorkin, Sorkin. Yeah. who is like a spiritual godfather to the morning show. Yeah. But yes, when he's on, he's on. Yeah. He, and it's also like Martin Sheen's delivery. He's, you know, he had, it's full Jed Bartlett in that moment, right? Huh. The Jed Bartlett that we know is we meet him immediately where he talks about his daughter and Ellie and this and that and the other. And then he goes full on in and he's intellectually superior. He's smarter than every fucking buddy. And he yells at them using the Bible. Which, you know, as a alleged Democrat, you don't expect or think he can do. And I mean, a pilot is hard. It's, I'm not going to claim like it's not digging trenches, but in 55 pages, you have to introduce a bunch of people that you want to hang out with, a bunch of scenarios that are problems for them and are the types of problems they're going to continue to have in the future. You have to amuse me and intrigue me enough to come back next time and do it all in the confines of television in a lot of cases without you know, having people speak the way real humans speak mm -hmm. or say the things they would really say. I'm just saying there's a, there's a talent here. I think I need to rewatch. I, I do this every couple of years, but I think I'm going to have to go back to West Wing. Okay. I like that. <laughs> um, and I, I would, I want to call out um, a recent show that you were haranguing me about. And like, again, 10 minutes into the pilot, I was like, yep. And that is on Becoming a God in Central Florida. Oh. That pilot is excellent. I'm so glad that you say that. Um, on Becoming a God in Central Florida is the show that it did not get a 20th of the press that, say, the morning show has, but that you all really should enjoy. It is offbeat. It's not for everybody, but it's kind of great. Yeah. And by that, I mean it's amazing. It's and I should say right there. it goes up. From the pilot. Yeah. So. So that's our deep dive on the morning show. We hope you are going to continue watching and will let us know what you think. Uh, we will be watching right along with you. Yes, again. That's <laughs> yep. what the show is. Well, I'm pretty sure you've watched one, two, and three twice, right? Uh, oh, sure. I've, I, watched, I've watched several episodes twice already. Right. Uh, I'm going to go home tonight and watch episode 10 for, quote, the first time. Shh. Uh -huh. 
Um, we always ask you to leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes because they help people find us. Uh, but we've also discovered that as kind as your emails to us are, your reviews on iTunes are a lot more hilarious. Uh, so we're going to close out with some that amuse us. Uh, this comes from somebody whose name is Liz. The title of her review is Drake Much. Oh. And the review is, didn't know it's Drake's sponsored podcast. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, they hit on something because that is like the theme of you is me. Well, I mean, the joke even with at home, at your home, is that you are like, you know, a disciple of the six god. I, look, there are, <laughs> I like some things. I like some, you know, some slang that's been brought into the vernacular. I'm not going to pretend. I like, I like the things I like. Yeah. Um, Liz, uh, it's not sponsored, but, uh, you know, you, you're not wrong, maybe. We will take Drake money. If he, if Drake acknowledged us, that would be money for us. In, in like, all the ways. As yeah. if. Hi, Drake. Yeah. Thank you, Liz, for that feedback. We love hearing your comments and reviews, and they help people find us, even if they are uh, slightly questionable about our editorial content. Keep them coming. We love hearing from you. Thank you so much for staying with us. And uh, you know what they didn't have on the show? What? We never had a more. We never had a send off. We never saw them say, "And have a we'll good day in the morning." Like, there was no send-off. Take a little time to enjoy the view. They didn't have one of those. You're right. But do they? I don't know if they have it on, like, today or whatever. They probably say, and we'll be back next time. Thanks for joining us. Hmm. You're right. I wonder why. That's a note. Um, thank you again. Till next time, work hard. We'll be back. Bye. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 